Take your Bible, please, this evening and open up to the book of Revelation. Would you do that, please? Revelation. What a wonderful book this is. I praise the Lord so much for the book of Revelation. I am so often blessed and challenged. The Lord uses Revelation to open my eyes to things. Revelation chapter 13. We've finished studying here about the Antichrist per se. Listen, I want to remind you. Chapter 12 from verse 1 through to chapter 15 and verse 4. These are what we call parenthetical. So we're not going in the the regular blow-by-blow description of events. Now we've stopped, stood back, and now the Lord is explaining things to us. Important things we need to know. And of course, in the tribulation, This is life and death. That's how important it is for the believers in the tribulation. By the way, how do you view the Bible when you take time to be holy and you take time to read the Word of God and pray? Do you look upon the Bible as more necessary than your daily food? Job did. Do you look upon the Word of God as making the difference between life and death? Well, we ought to reverence God's word. We ought to get into it and treasure this precious book. Well, as I mentioned, we looked at the Antichrist. Now, verses 11 through to 18, we're going to be looking at the false prophet. The Lord Jesus told us in Matthew 7, he said, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Also, John himself warned us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. He said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God. For, or because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So let's begin with a word of prayer and let's ask God to help us to understand what these verses are talking about. Our dear loving Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit be the teacher and the preacher tonight to every heart. Lord, we pray for those that are struggling. We pray for those that are somewhat worldly or carnal-minded. We pray for those who are heavenly-minded. Lord, you know our needs. Please, Speak to our hearts and meet those needs out of the book tonight. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Now a prophet. What is a prophet? Does anyone know what a prophet is? It's more than a priest. It's more than than a preacher. A prophet is one who receives God's visions and God's truth. In Numbers chapter 12 verse 6, God speaking, he said, and and he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. And so a prophet becomes a spokesman for God, a spokesman who receives visions, who receives God's truth and then proclaims that to the people. Many false prophets have been in the Old Testament And the New Testament as well. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20. Teaches that there are no more prophets in this present church age. 
But in the tribulation, God will once again pour out His Holy Spirit and some of the Jews will prophesy. Now you can look that up in Joel chapter 2 verse 28. Revelation chapter 11, which we've dealt with previously, speaks of, do you remember? Do you remember what it is? Revelation chapter 11, remember? Ah, the two witnesses, yes. The two witnesses. And those men were prophets of God. And they prophesied for three and a half years. Now Satan brings his counterfeit prophet in Revelation chapter 13. And he's referred to here, if you look at chapter 16, please, verse 16 and verse 13. Look at the last words in verse 13. Out of the mouth of the false prophet. There's his title right there. That's how we know he's a false prophet. You know, the world is full of chaos. You know that. It's getting worse. We seem to have in, in the last 15, 20 years, something like that, 20 years, we seem to have more earthquakes, more tsunamis. We seem to have more diseases. We seem to have more financial meltdowns. We seem to have a great increase in terrorism. Nations seem to be rising against nations. World powerful nations are today rattling their sabers, challenging each other almost for a nuclear war. It's a scary time to be alive. A time where the world itself is calling for a one world government. And they're calling for a man to head it up. Now, what does that sound like to you? It sounds like the coming one world government, the coming Antichrist, the Bible. Here, Revelation written some 2,000 years ago, the Bible speaks of all these things. Do we know for sure, for sure, for sure that these are the last days and that Jesus is about to come next week on Thursday at 3 in the afternoon? There's no way of knowing. None of us know for sure. But we're, we're comforted and we know that God knows the right time. The right time when these things will come. But today there's a huge increase in chaos, which has caused a huge increase in people who are preparing themselves for this chaos to come. And of course, they're called preppers, aren't they? And they have, some of them have bomb shelters in their backyard. One that I read about has enough food stored up for three years. How you do that, I'm not sure. But I think it's a lot of canned goods and freeze-dried stuff. But three years worth of food. This is for a man, his wife, and his two boys. There are a lot of um, courses now on survival. Many of the stores, Costco. Costco's gotten on the bandwagon and they're selling a lot of survival kits and things. So with all of the chaos on the world today, it wouldn't surprise us if the Lord Jesus were to come back any day now. Are you ready, beloved? I hope you are. Now in verse 11, Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. Verse 1, we had a beast rise up out of the sea. 
Now, here in verse 11, we have a beast rising up out of the earth. Now, the present tense of the, the words here, present tense, the coming, suggests that the happening of this may be around the same time as this first beast. So the first beast, the Antichrist, the second beast, the false prophet, rising up around the same time, which would be the three and a half year mark of the tribulation. Interesting, there's no mention at all about the false prophet before this time. No doubt he's there. No doubt he was rising in influence and so on. But there doesn't seem to be a public joining of forces together before this point. In Daniel chapter 7, we learn about the, the four beasts that came up out of the earth and they represented four world empires that controlled the entire world at that time. Now the false prophet is going to come and he will control the religions of the whole world. Some of us call this a one world church. I'm not sure if that's the best description. It's more of a one world religion. A one world religion. Today the ecumenical movement the charismatic movement, the World Council of Churches is pushing hard to form a one world church. Famous personalities such as Billy Graham, who's no longer with us, but when he was here, he was getting behind this, the uh, one world church uh, idea with the uh, charismatics and the World Council and the ecumenicalism. He was giving it his blessing. The Roman Catholic Church, Pope Francis, the Muslims, Muslim leaders of the world, they've gotten together, they've formed unofficial alliances together. Now, each group affects over a billion people in the world. This coming one world religion will make sense to a lot of people. You, you have to understand it from the viewpoint of the unsaved. It makes good sense. In a world of chaos and fear, they want stability. They want peace. And this idea behind a one world religion where the religions aren't all after each other or something, it makes a lot of sense. It's appealing to the unsaved. Those of us who are saved, born again, we want to keep a distance. We want to keep separate from the ecumenicals and from the charismatics, from the one world church. We want to keep separate from all of these things. But to the unsaved religious person, it makes all the sense in the world. Personally, I, I think that they'll each be able to keep their individual distinctive ideas, but they'll sort of come together around the word unity. Unity and peace at any cost. And of course, it's going to cost doctrine is what it's going to do. Doctrine defines who you are. It defines what you believe. Doctrine is good. And we need good doctrine, beloved. This false prophet, when he comes, he is going to knit together. He's going to bring together and knit together the world's religions into a one world religion. And of course, it'll be anything but Christian. Forget that. So, a one world religion makes a lot of sense to a lot of people. 
And they'll pledge themselves together for world peace and unity. And they'll take a stand against violence. You know something? I used to wonder, uh, years ago, I used to wonder, how will, you know, the Antichrist, the false prophet, ever build a one world religion? I, I used to think about the one world government. I thought, okay, well, I can understand that. And then the one world economic system, okay, that falls in line. I can understand that. But how do you build a one world church, a one world religion? But almost 20 years ago now, when 9-11 happened, and the terrorists caused all that destruction and death, and then the world changed. That was a turning point for the world, and the world changed. And it's like I woke up and said, that's it. That's it right there. Look at all of the destruction, all the terrorism. That is going to be the catalyst. So in other words, false prophet will say, we're going to have a one world religion, but it's going to be around peace and unity. If you have anything to do with terrorism, you can't join. In fact, we'll hunt you down. See, so the world religions will come together and they will pledge unity and they'll pledge peace to my way of thinking anyhow this is how they'll come up with a one world religion somewhere on the top of this big heap will be standing one man leading it all and this man will be the false prophet many people have have thought that it's going to be the pope i'm not ruling it out he could be. Lately, Pope Francis, if that's the Pope we're talking about, Pope Francis has been making big strides in trying to bring about unity. And he's telling the people it doesn't matter what God you believe in, what doctrine you hold to, as long as you're sincere. There's a place in heaven for you. You'll get to heaven. He's making a lot of inroads with the world's religion. So, Will he be the false prophet? He might be. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be the Antichrist. I don't think that. But I think that there's a possibility. He may be the false prophet. I don't know. Now, we're told here in verse 11 that this beast comes up out of the earth and he had two horns. See that in verse 11? He had two horns like a lamb. He had two horns like a lamb. And so... Uh, lambs, baby sheep, if you will, but lambs begin to grow their horns around the end of the first year of life. So when they're about one year old, they're still lambs, young. They have these horns. And so the false prophet, does, he, does Pope Francis have the appearance of youth? He doesn't to me. He's an old man. Nothing wrong with being an old man, by the way. I just want you to know that. Hey, some of my best friends are old men, okay? Nothing wrong with being old, being an old geezer. Nothing wrong with that at all. Hooray for the geezers. But here is the false prophet having two horns like a lamb. And I want to remind you that Jesus also was portrayed as a lamb in the book of Revelation, with the two little horns. He is the Lamb of God. 
But this lamb, he seems more demonic than human. If you look again at chapter 16, look at verse 13. The end of verse 13, you got these frogs coming out of the mouth of the Antichrist, the, the dragon, and the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and to the whole world. Wow. This false prophet, I think that he's got a human body, but like the Antichrist at the, the three and a half year point, I think that he now has a demon inside him behind the controls, driving, pulling the levers and pushing the buttons. I think it's a demonic spirit inside of Antichrist and a demonic spirit inside of false prophet. Now, I'm not, being, I'm not planning on being around here in the tribulation. I'm going to be gone, folks. I'm going to be up in heaven. I'll watch it. I'll watch it in my mansion or something. Watch it all playing out. But this is just how I see it. That he's more demon than human. Something else. Another reason I want to point this out here. Listen, go to chapter uh, 19. Let's see here if I can find this. Chapter 19 of Revelation. You know, the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. But after this, the what? You fill in the blank. The what? Say it. The judgment. Say it. The judgment. After this, the judgment. And so these people, they die. They stand before God in the great white throne of the judgment. That's in chapter 20, the great white throne. See verse 11. I saw a great white throne. There's the judgment where all the unsaved stand before Jesus Christ. They're judged for their sins and they're cast into the lake of fire. You see that in verse um, 14, death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. Verse 15, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But look at this. Watch this. Here's the Antichrist and the false prophet. These two. These two here. And if you look here, <clears throat> the end of chapter 19, when Jesus comes back in verse 19, 19, 19, and then verse 20, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he had deceived them that received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. Watch this now, don't miss it. These both were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. How'd they get there? How'd they get to the lake of fire? How come they didn't go and stand in the great white throne judgment and then be judged for their sins like all other human beings and then be cast into the lake of fire? How is it that the Antichrist and the false prophet are taken directly from this earth while still alive and put into the lake of fire. How can that possibly be? Well, here's how I think. All the unsaved, let me put it this way, all of the fallen demons, all of the, the demons that were once angelic creatures with God and they, they decided they would go with Satan, they became demons. God has reserved a bunch of them there in everlasting chains. Demons, do not stand at the great white throne. Demons are thrown directly into the lake of fire. One day Satan will be thrown directly into the lake of fire. Satan will not have his day in court. He will be thrown into the lake of fire after the end of the millennial kingdom. He'll be taken out of the bottomless pit, 
He'll, be, he'll do a little rebellion. He'll be taken and thrown directly into the lake of fire. Satan. But so will false prophet and antichrist. Both these two also are taken and thrown in. The reason, I believe, is because at this point, at least, there's demons in the body. Demons working, not humans. Demons. And in order for some of these wild, fantastic things to, to happen, it's going to require Satan needs demons in there. Humans just aren't good enough. They don't have the power. They can't do what he wants done. Look at the end of verse 11. This false prophet. And he spake as a dragon. He spake as a dragon. Wow. My thought is that Satan is the dragon. And Satan will write all of his speeches and write all of his sermons. This false prophet is going to be getting his directives, his orders. He'll be getting all of his devotionals from Satan. And this is what he will, he will speak. Now, verse 12, it says, And he, that's the false prophet, exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, that's Antichrist, whose deadly wound was healed. The false prophet himself seems only to have little power, but is now allowed to use Antichrist's miraculous power which was given to Antichrist by Satan. And using this power, he causes the world to worship the Antichrist. Verse 13, And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth, uh, on the earth in sight of men. Great wonders. Now, false prophet not only speaks these roaring sermons, but he's able to call down fire from heaven. If you'll remember Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses, they could call fire down. Now here's Satan's false prophet imitating God's true prophets. And they're able also to bring fire. He's able also to bring fire on the earth. Now verse 14. So still talking about the false prophet and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. And so here they're going to make an image of the Antichrist. An image. You say, well, what is an image? It's an icon. That's actually the Greek word here, icon. It's an artificial copy of something authentic. Something authentic. And so... The false prophet says we need to make an icon, an image of the Antichrist. And then he begins to do his miracles. And verse 15, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. His power now brings life to this inanimate object. This is not human. This can only be a demonic spirit that's entered into the image and now this living image says or does two things. Uh, number one, that the, uh, see, the, Im the, the image of the beast should both speak so that it can talk, number one. And number two, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. It appears to give the death orders for those who will not worship it. 
or so it seems. Verse 16, And he, that's the false prophet, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. You've heard of this? It's known as the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast. And here in verse 16, it says that it's going to be either in the back of the right hand or up here in the forehead. The idea is that it can be seen. It's something that can be publicly seen. Verse 17, here's the purpose here, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Huh. Let's look quickly at chapter 14 and verse 9. The third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehand or in his right hand. And then all of the terrible things that shall happen there in verse 10. Look at verse chapter 16, verse 2. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome. That means harmful. Harmful. It doesn't mean noisy. It means harmful. A harmful and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. Horrible things that are going to be happening to those that receive this mark. Chapter 19 and verse 20. We have here also uh, the, the mention here, the beast and false prophet brought, brought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. Chapter 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them and judgment was given them. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. What? That's something. Now, going back to chapter 13, this mark or this name or this number, this is something unique that seems to be both a name and a number. What is the purpose of the mark? The purpose is to form loyalty to Satan, loyalty to Antichrist, and to kill off all others. So they cannot interfere with Satan's plans. Verse 18. Chapter 13, verse 18. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score, and six. And so here is the six, six, six. There's a lot of speculation out there, beloved. Listen. I think most of it, maybe all of it is wrong. Because we don't know. We don't know. You know, the, some people hold up those cans of monster energy drink and they say, oh, look at the three lines. See, those are three Hebrew letters. 666. That's not what it is. Don't believe that. Don't fall for that. That conspiracy theory stuff. Be careful. Be careful. You're going to drink that in and you're going to look pretty foolish. Some say, oh, well, it's, a, it's the chip that they're putting in, the chip. A chip is, is not visible. You can't see it in your forehead or your hand. The chip is invisible. 
Well, aren't they chipping people? Yes, they are. But I don't think that's the mark of the beast because the idea of the mark is just that, to make a public mark to identify you that you're lined up there with Antichrist, all in line there with Satan. That's the purpose of it. It's something public. And the believers will not receive it. So you see, it makes it, them easy to hunt. Easy to hunt. Listen, the conclusion of the matter is beware of false prophets. And they're out there today, and there's a lot of them. I have some papers. Do I have them here? Yes, I brought them with me. I have three papers, and on them here is a list of 28. 28 people who have claimed to be Jesus Christ. And one real Looney Tunes, his name is Jose Louis de Jesus Miranda. He just died seven years ago. He claimed to be actually the Antichrist. Imagine that. You got to look him up on, on Wikipedia. Jose Louis de Jesus. De Jesus. Just look that up. That guy's really Looney Tunes. That guy's in hell today. What a wicked man he was. And yet he had all these cult followers. And when he died, the cult split up, I think, into four groups. It disintegrated pretty quick. It lived and died with him. There are so many false prophets in the world today. Listen, don't you go following Kenneth Copeland. And don't you go following Benny Hinn. And don't you go following those types. And these faith healers, when they come to town, you leave them alone. Don't you go and visit them. Don't you go and see them. Don't you give them your time or your money or your attention. Stay away from them. These are false prophets. Stay away from them. Stick with the Word of God. Follow Jesus. We don't know who the false prophet is. We know who Benny Hinn is. Don't imagine it's going to be him. But beware, beloved, beware. The charismatic movement, the contemporary church movement today, this emergent church, be very wary of that. Of course, there's the cults, there's the charismatics in there. There's so much we have to beware of, beloved. Because you see, if it were possible, the devil would fool even the very elect. We'll have a word of prayer. And then let's give to the Lord tonight.